Yo, yo, yo. Back with another episode of the It's Just a Game podcast. I am your host, Chris Bill. It's been over a month. I haven't done an episode since July 7th, I believe, something like that, July 5th. So I figured, you know, it was time. And, you know, it's been a little dry over this whole, during this whole pandemic since March. So, I mean, I've only done like two episodes since then. But we have some sports to talk about now. So I decided to come back and make my presence known. I'm sorry for leaving you. I will never leave you again. Back like Regina Hall in every single scary movie. Back like Michael Jordan in 1995. Back like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2. So we got a couple things to talk about. Um, um, obviously, we're talking about the Sixers. I'm going to talk about why I hate the fact that sports is back. Which, if you think about that, if you think about me saying that, that's really, really weird to say because, you know, the name of this podcast. I'm a sports fanatic. So I'm going to tell you why I hate the fact that sports is back right now. I'm going to tell you what I hate about the playoffs, the NBA playoffs or NHL playoffs or MLB or whatever. Um, I'm going to tell you one of the biggest things that's become really popular over the last like few years in basketball. But I'm going to tell you why it's just not important to me at all. And I'm going to tell you why the Bucks and Lakers losing, Bucks and Lakers both losing game one. I'm going to tell you why it's really just not a big deal at all. So, so we're going to get into that on the other side. Oh, I got a little Phillies to talk about as well. So we're going to get to that on the other side. Thank you for listening. Episode number 57. See you in about four seconds. I really don't know why I'm nervous right now. Like I've done 50, 60 of these episodes, but for some reason, I don't know. I have the nerves, but let's get right to it. The Sixers, the 76ers. So I'm going to get right into the fact why I'm mad at the fact that sports is back. So when sports first went away, it was about March 11th, March, March 12th, I believe. And at that point, I'm like, oh, my God, like we're really going to have no sports. What am I going to do with my time? Because if you know me, you pretty much know sports is my life. It's the reason. It's the whole reason I started the podcast. And it's about sports. There's nothing else for me to talk about. I'm, honestly, like, and this is going to sound really, really weird and really harsh, but if you're not a sports fan, we probably have nothing to talk about. I probably won't get along with you. I mean, unless you're a pretty girl or something, but that's another story. But what I'm saying is. I can pretty much get along with anybody if we start talking sports. You know, you go to a bar, see a guy, you're watching the same thing. You know, we can talk about this, talk about that, talk about this. We, I can talk, I can talk sports all day with anybody. But if you're not talking sports to me, I'm just really not interested at all. In these last like three months, I've just had, oh my god, three months. These last five months, I've had to come up with other things to do. I've had to watch different movies that I've never watched before. I've had to just find different activities i've just had to get a little creative and at first it seemed like you know the worst thing in the world but i felt like i was so much less stressed out with sports not being in my life because sports is not just this random hobby to me i take sports seriously especially when it comes to my philadelphia teams now today we had a quadruple header we had um 
no, the Raptors and uh, no, that was yesterday. Was a bunch, a bunch of games. I can't remember off the top of my head. But you know, I'm able to. Say, I watched the Heat and the Pacers. And I watched most of that game, and I watched a little bit of the Rockets and the Thunder. But when I'm able to sit back and just watch a game, watch a good game, I'm okay. I, I'm I'm good with that. But you know, I'm still a sports fan, so when uh, there's a bad call or something like that, I, I still get frustrated. That that pisses me off. I hate those kind of things. But you know, for the most part, I'm able to just watch it and just enjoy the game. But when it's the Sixers, like yesterday on Monday when they played and they lost, and I remember my brother texting me saying, "Oh, Joel and Beach averaged 50 points a game," and I'm just like, "If only it were that easy." And it wasn't, of course, because the Sixers can never make it easy. I don't know if it's the coach or like I don't know if it's just Joel and Beach mindset. And at this point, I'm I'm just so over I'm over the season, and they stress me out, and I'm just like, wow. This team just really stresses me out, and sports stresses me out a lot. And I'm just like, wow. Life was so much more peaceful when I wasn't dealing with this. And if, as much as it sucked at first, I got used to the fact of not having to deal with this. Not having to worry about, oh, are they going to win? Are they going to lose? Oh, they're up by 10 points, but uh, they're cutting to the lead into six. Like that anxiety that would always creep into my head during every single game, it wasn't there. Obviously, other things stress you out. But when it comes to sports, that was my getaway. But it was really, really stressful. And I guess I learned over these last five months that, like, that was, you know, some unnecessary stress. And I found out that I actually could live without sports. Now, am I going to live without sports? Absolutely not. There's no there's no chance of me just being like, nah, I'm cutting sports out of my life. I'm not doing that cold turkey. It's just no way. Actually, not even cold turkey. I'm not doing that at all. I'm going to still watch. I'm going to still watch. I'm still going to be pissed off. I'm still going to throw things at the TV. Like, when they when the Sixers lost the game yesterday, I'm just like, these guys are just, they, they're killing me. They're breaking my heart. And the funny thing is, is at the end of the year, I'm just like, I just don't even care anymore because... You know, Ben Simmons was hurt. Like, if you remember, during, like, right before the pandemic hit, right before everything, like, you know, right before the world stopped. And I thought one of the biggest advantages that we would have as a team, as speaking for the Sixers, I'm talking, was that Ben Simmons would come back healthy. And he would come back refreshed. And, you know, you see the videos on YouTube and you see the, the pictures on Instagram of him working out. And you're just like, wow. He looks stronger. He rocking a headband now. I'm like, okay, Ben Simmons looks focused. He made a three in the, the, the scrimmage game. So, but you know, Ben Simmons does that to us all the time. He he, he teases with a three every couple weeks, and then he that's just what he does at this point. But then he ended up getting hurt again, and not only that, Joel Embiid gets hurt, and then he comes back, and then he gets hurt again, and it's just like at this point, I'm just like I don't even care. But that's what it's like. Like being a sports fan is like being in the relationship where you're just, I don't even care no more. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done caring. I'm over this. But once that person comes home and you think they're going to change, you try again and you keep at it. But then that person does the same exact thing. And you get pissed off all over again. It's an endless cycle. Like love, I always compare love to sports because it's almost like a relationship. Like 
you're attached to sports for pretty much your entire life. Like, I mean, I'm 31 years old now. I've been watching sports. Like, I've been remembering sports since I was about six, seven years old. Like, my son is six years old now. I remember this stuff since I was like his age, about 1995, 96 is really when I start remembering a lot of things. So like 25 years, 25, 26 years, we're, we're talking like watching the same city, rooting for the same teams, the same four teams, watching the same sport, just like picking up the knowledge about every little thing. But like I said, the most important thing is like the team that you're rooting for. Like I'm pretty much in a relationship with the Philadelphia Eagles. I kept getting my heart broken over and over and over. I'm in a relationship with the Philadelphia 76ers, the Phillies, the Flyers. It's like, I, I can't just stop now. My aunt used to tell me all the time, just just, just pick a different team. Just pick a, I can't pick a new team at this point. Like, maybe when I was seven, eight years old, sure, I could have just like, you know, I'm going to just switch to the Houston Oilers, sure. But at this point, I can't, I can't switch. I can't just swap teams now. It's too hard, but it's also too hard to watch these teams lose. And like I said, I thought I wouldn't care, but as I'm into it, I'm watching the Sixers and the Celtics game, and I see Joel B. You know, he had a good first quarter, but he just has problems keeping it up. And I really miss Ben Simmons. I saw a stat yesterday when Ben Simmons defends Jason Tatum, his like field goal percentage goes way down. And a lot of people, and I've said this numerous times, and if I repeat myself in this podcast. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I haven't done this in a while, so I really, I hope I'm not saying the same thing over and again. But I hate when people come at Ben Simmons for the one thing that he doesn't do when he does so many other things. Ben Simmons is an elite defender. He should be an elite defender with his size. He's a point guard. I mean, he doesn't defend the point guards most of the time. He, you know, he defends the small forwards or the, the shooting guards or whatever. But I mean, for his size and his athletic ability, his athletic build, he should be a pretty good defender, but it doesn't always work out that way. There's a lot of guys that should be a pretty good whatever, and it doesn't work out. Ben Simmons is an elite defender, and I think we missed him yesterday. I mean, Matisse Thibault is a really good uh, defender, but if you remember early in the year when Matisse and Ben Simmons out there together, you remember how good defensively they really were. And I mean, I think Matisse is going to get a little better. Honestly, like I said, I'm pretty much over the season. I'm not even worried about it. I mean, my mom, she asked me to get her some sister shirts. I got them for her. I said, save them for next year, mom. Just this year is over. It, it just doesn't matter. Just put them in your closet, hang them up. They'll be nice and fresh for opening day next year, whenever that is. I mean, I'm still grappling with the fact that we're having playoff basketball in late August. I mean, usually the draft would have happened by now. Everything, like the finals would have been over, the lottery would have happened, the draft would have happened, the, the, well, the, the combine would have happened, the draft would have happened. I mean, at this point, this should be like their offseason. They should be chilling. And, I mean, they had four months to chill, obviously. But what I'm saying is, like, right now should be their offseason. They should be getting ready to start up in about – October, I believe, is when they start the preseason, like early October. But everything's going to get pushed back, so we'll see. And I remember when 9-11 happened with the, uh, obviously 
the Super Bowl got pushed back a week. Because if you remember, the Super Bowl used to be the last Sunday in January. It used to be like January 26th, January 27th, whatever. But 9-11 happened and it pushed it back to like the first Sunday in February. And ever since 2001, it's been the first week in February. So... I don't know. Maybe everything, maybe this will change everything. Maybe this will just push it back because I can't see you like having this playoff, these playoffs and being in the bubble and everything ending in August. Now it's the first round. Everything will probably end by, I mean, I'm thinking mid, late October, I'm, I'm assuming. Late October is probably when, like, you know, the finals and everything will be over. And I can't see you turning around and be like, okay, let's start the new season in December. Maybe they'll just do like if everything is back to normal, assuming maybe they'll just do what they did with the lockout like they did in 2011 when they started the season. And actually, I think the first game was on Christmas. So maybe they'll do something like that. And it was a 66 game season, which and I remember it was they had to cram so many games in, which was a lot. I mean, there were teams, like every team had to do at least one back to back to back which never is done. Like usually you have back-to-backs, but you never do three games in a row. And they had to do it that year. But the next year, everything went back to normal. So like, uh, maybe they'll do something like that next year. They'll do like a, a shortened season, similar to what baseball is doing right now, which um, is pretty good. But the Sixers just stress me out. And I know a lot of people want Brett Brown fire. Honestly, I don't know. I think this pandemic, this bubble stuff really might save his job but it didn't save the pelicans coach job so who knows but they have a rookie and they have a nice young team maybe they're just trying to you know see find a better fit but um i don't know i saw a lot of people saying oh this might be ben simmons and joel and b's last game together have they played their last minutes together who knows but if it does happen, remember I said this months ago. If I were to get rid of one, and if I were to keep one, I would keep Ben Simmons. And I know Joel Embiid is probably a better talent. It's definitely a more polished product at this point. But I just just for what where we're at, the era that we're in, if this was 1995, I would say sure, keep Joel Embiid. But from where we're at now, 2020, I just think the guard is a little more especially that perimeter defender i just feel like that's a little more important than having the big man right now because i mean you look at all the teams these guys will have dominant centers i mean they have like good power forwards and all of them you look at the milwaukee bucks they have brooke lopez their start center and they have robin lopez coming off the bench like i mean brooke lopez they were just like five rebounds a game is he is he a dominant center i mean anthony davis for the lakers he's like he's not really even a center he's a power forward he has been his whole career and like I said, I really don't want to get rid of either one. If anything, I would probably bring in a new coach just to see if they can make them gel together. Because a lot of times it could be on the coaching. If you remember, like Mark Jackson was the coach for the Warriors. He made them a good team. Steve Kerr came in and made them into a great team. He made Steph Curry an MVP. Steph Curry was a really solid player. He was a good shooter, but his offensive philosophy was just so good. And he just... He made these guys into a, the dominant team that you saw. Sure, they would have been a good team with Mark Jackson. They would have made the playoffs. They would have made it to the, the first round. They would have made it to the second round, lose to the Los Angeles Clippers or, or whoever, lose to Oklahoma City Thunder. Sure, but they wouldn't have became great with Mark Jackson. 
And maybe Brett Brown has just run his course at this point. I mean, it's been a couple years now. He's had, you know, he, he pretty much had a mulligan for the first couple of years. He was during the process. But this is year f- is this year four at this point now? So it's just, you know, I feel like by year three, year four, if you don't at least, he hasn't even made a conference finals yet. And I mean, let's let's be real here. He's he's not going to make the conference finals this year. And a part of me was thinking, you know, does it even matter this year? Like I was just thinking, you know, if LeBron wins a, a ring this year, which is probably going to be one of his last chances, probably his going to be his best chance like this year. Doesn't even count because of this pandemic, this bubble, and everything. It's just everything is so weird. But we'll get to that. But um, I'm just saying, the Sixers really stressed me out, and it was just so much better when they weren't stressing me out. And even when I watch sports, I could just, you know, watch old games on, on YouTube. I could watch the Iverson days, and I can watch, you know, old Eagles games when they were actually winning games and stuff, and I could just live vicariously like it's 2002 again. But let's get to the rest of the NBA. So speaking of the Lakers, like I said, so would it really count if they won this year, obviously I'm being a little facetious here, but I'm just saying, I just feel like with this year being as weird as it has been, it just seems like kind of like a, a asterisk year, you know? But I feel like it would be actually more impressive, but I'm gonna get to the reason why I don't like this playoffs. And there's nothing to do with the NBA, the league or anything. They're taking the best precautions that they have to. I'm not mad at them at all. I'm just mad in a selfish way of being a sports fan and being an NBA fan all my life that there's no home court advantage for any team. Now, you know, when you look at a game, you look at the team that's on the bottom. That's the team. That's the home team. They have the home court advantage. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Lakers literally worked this whole entire year. Like you play to win your conference. You play to get the number one seed. It doesn't always guarantee everything, obviously. But you play with it to give you the best chance at winning. I mean, would you rather be a one seed or would you rather be a three seed? Would you rather be a two seed or a one seed? Like, sure. I mean, Toronto, last year, they lost the first two games in Milwaukee. Probably thought, you know, everybody probably thought, okay, Milwaukee about to win the series. Toronto came back and won four straight games. The home court doesn't mean every single thing, but it helps. And when you're the number one seed, you face the eight seed. I mean, it's only been twice, I believe, where it's happened. The Warriors beat the Mavericks in 07, I believe. And the Knicks beat the Heat in 99. I feel like I'm forgetting one. I think... It might be one recently. I feel like I'm forgetting one, but I, I I digress. So, but it gives you the best chance and it gives you the easiest path. You get like the lowest seeds until you get to the conference finals. And then when you get to the conference finals, you have home court advantage. And usually if you're the number one seed, you're, you're a pretty darn good uh, home team. Most of the time your record is like 80, 85% at home. So if you get home court advantage, you're in a pretty good spot. I mean, you still have to go out there and actually play the game at home. It's not a guarantee, like I said, but it gives you a really good shot. And you pretty much play, like, I just feel like Milwaukee and L.A., they played this whole entire year 
just to get to this point where they would have home court throughout the playoffs just to have it not mean anything. I mean, the seeding means something in the case of one and eight. Like, okay, this is the AC, like, sure. But it, it doesn't mean nothing in the case of home court advantage, though. And the Lakers probably drew the worst team possible. I mean, I'm sure they would have rather have played the Spurs or, or the Pelicans or the Grizzlies. Like, they got a guy, they got to go against a guy who's on fire right now. Damian Lillard is on a mission right now. And the, the good thing about basketball is, like, one player can pretty much win you a game, but I don't think one game can win you a series. So, you know, he went off in game one with the deep three at the end, which I'm going to get to that. Spoiler alert. But he can only take you so far. And in the NBA, usually the best team wins. It's pretty much the only sport to where you know the best team is going to be there in the end. I mean, if you look at the beginning of the season, any NBA season, you pretty much can pick like three or four teams that you know, okay, these teams have a shot at winning the chip. The rest of like, you have yeah, your mid teams that are just like, okay, they'll, they'll be second round teams. Maybe they'll surprise somebody. And you have your, your bottom feeders who are going to be, okay, they're going to be on the first round. Then you have your teams that just, you know, are going to suck. So, Whatever, you have your Chicago Bulls and, like, you know, you have those kind of teams. But I just feel like the Lakers drew, like, the worst team possible. But I wouldn't panic either way because, like I said, the Bucks lost also. But the Bucks also lost their first – I think they lost their first game last year as well. No, they didn't. I think they swept the Pistons. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong about that. But I remember Toronto losing their first game to Orlando. That's what reminded me of it because Orlando went into – well, they didn't go into Milwaukee this year. It would have had to. But they went and won against Milwaukee today to take a 1-0 lead. But they also went into Toronto last year and won game one. And I think Toronto came back and won four straight games. So I – Definitely would not panic after one game. If I'm a Bucks fan, if I'm a Lakers fan, if I'm an analyst, I'm I'm not worried at all. I know people. Oh, they lost the game. Like this is not football. You really think the Orlando Magic can beat the Milwaukee Bucks four times? You think they can beat them three more times? It's, it's not possible. You know how they say never say never, and you shouldn't make promises that you can't really keep. I can promise you that the Orlando Magic will never win this series. They will not win this series. I can I can bet my life on that. It's not going to happen. Now the Portland Trailblazers and the Lakers. I'm not so confident about that. I'm pretty sure I'm like eighty percent, eighty five percent sure that the Lakers will win this series still. But I can't like go one hundred percent, like just full on guarantee. That's a little different story because of that guy that's wearing number zero on. The Portland Trailblazers. But speaking of number zero on the Portland Trailblazers, one thing that really bothers me, and it doesn't really bother me in the sense of, oh my God, it, like, it pisses me off. I'm enraged in, in madness. But these deep threes, I just don't understand. It's like, I get you can do it, but what's the point? I don't see the point of you coming, like, coming off a screen and shooting from so far out when it's the same it's the same three points. It's not four points. It's not five points. It's not worth it anymore. It's worth the same exact three points 
that a regular three is worth? Why are you taking a harder shot? Like, I mean, if you were shooting a free throw, like, would you back up just, just because you can do it? I don't think you would. Like, if you could have a layup, if it was a fast break and you were the only person out there, would you stop and take a shot from the free throw line? And I know Steph Curry made this pretty popular. It was fun. I mean, it's still, it's a fun shot to watch. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you and say it's not. I mean, when Damian Lillard hit that shot against the Thunder last year, and like he hits these half court shots or whatever, like it's fun. I just don't get why. I just don't really see the point of it when you come off. Especially, it's not even like like today the shot he hit. It wasn't like it was even open. He pretty much like he came off the screen. And it was pretty well defended, honestly, if you look at it. But he just decided to shoot from three. And everyone goes crazy. Well, all the announcers go crazy. But, you know, there's no home fans or anything. I mean, they got the virtual fans and all. But the I just learned today that the noise is, like, pre-recorded. And I honestly, I used to hear, I would hear the noise during the game. I thought... That was the the virtual fans like making noise, but you can't hear them at all. You just you just see their faces. So, so it, I mean, there's no really sound advantage. Like there's just nothing. And that's why I'm mad about the, the home court. I'm mad that we were we were robbed of that. But um, yeah, I, I just don't really understand these deep threes. Like it's a cool premise. It's, it's cool to look at, but it just seems to me like it's, it's kind of pointless. You know, even the one last year when you look at it, like the right. If, let's just say Damian Lillard misses that shot last year. I think it was a tie game. I'm pretty sure it was a tie game when he did that shot against the Thunder. And just think if he misses that shot. Because to me, I'm a big component on getting the easiest shot possible. I'm not really big on guys that it's a tie game or we're down by one. And I'm going to hold the ball out here for 17 seconds. And I'm going to shoot a, a buzzer beating three. Why are you shooting a three? Get to the hole. Like, stop being a... Stop being soft. Go to the hole and get a layup. Draw a foul. Put the pressure on the refs. Like, like, why are you like to me? If you're standing out there just shooting a three, that shows to me that you're a little afraid of contact. I mean, what do I know? I mean, I, I'm nobody. I don't know. Like, they're the NBA players. Like, whatever. Damian Lillard is way more successful than I ever be. Way more relevant than I ever be. I get it. But if he misses that shot, if you're a fan of the Blazers, aren't you thinking? That's the best shot you can get with all this time on the clock. Like I said, if he misses the shot. But of course, he made the shot, so no one cares. I mean, Iverson had a lot of those shots when I was growing up. You know, he would just throw something up and then he'd be like, no, no, no. Okay, yes, yeah, good shot, good shot. But, um, you know, stuff like that happens all the time. Well, I just feel like we shouldn't let the, the outcome determine what we feel about it. I feel like you should look at it from a a logical sense, you know? Like a logical thought process. Let's think about it that way. I just don't really understand these long threes for no reason. So, let's transition to some baseball for a little while. Um, the Phillies are 9-9 nine nine right now. They finally... They got back to 500, which is crazy. Like, the Red Sox have a terrible record. Like, honestly, baseball, I used to follow baseball, like, heavy. I haven't really followed it as much, like, the last few years. But um, I, st- I still keep an eye on it. I definitely, I'm, I'm still a fan of the Phillies, obviously. Um, I love me some Bryce Harper. That's my guy, and I, I love how well he's playing. 
Um, Reese Hoskins is starting to get it going a little bit. Um, the, they, they swept a mess over the weekend, and he had a couple of hits. I mean, his average was terrible. He got it up to 214 now. He got first home run in the season. Um, but pretty much Bryce Harper and JT Romuto are like the main two. Didi Gregorius is starting to hit. Um, we have Zach Wheeler pitching well. We have Aaron Nola pitching well. We can just get a little more out of Jake Arrieta. We'll be fine. I'm okay with that. But they came out with 13 runs today. And Bryce Harper with that three run. I'm t- I'm going to say Bryce Harper's name a million times before this episode is over. Like, that is my guy. I was, I was so excited when we signed him. And last year, you know, I just feel like when you're under a microscope, you look at his numbers last year. He had 100 RBIs. He had a bunch of strikeouts. But when you look at the strikeouts, it's the same thing with Ryan Howard. It's like you're going to have a certain amount of outs a season anyway. Now, all strikeouts aren't created equal. If a guy is on third base with one out and he strikes out, that's a bad job. But if a guy is, is base is empty and there's nobody out or it's one out or it's two outs or whatever, and he strikes out to just end the end and turn over the inning, who really cares? Like, you're going to make outs anyway. What's the difference between, honestly, a strikeout with nobody on base and a flyout or a ground out or a, a foul out or a pop out? Like, anything. What's the difference, honestly? Sure. I mean, we would love our players to to hit 800, but that's not possible. It's just not. Like, it's just not logical for a, a guy to hit that good. Like, it's just not. Like, like, the best, if somebody hits 400 for a whole season, which hasn't happened in, like, decades, that's amazing. So... I just don't understand. I mean, he's batting 367 right now, 15 RBIs. And like I said last year, he had over 100 RBIs. Like, sure, he had a bunch of strikeouts, but he's always had a bunch of strikeouts. Like, yeah, you guys, see, these are the guys that don't really watch other teams. And that's why I always say you have to watch other teams because when you, when a, a team comes to you, when you're playing them, you don't really know who they are. And then you just think your team is better. Then you realize, wait, look at his numbers. Your team is not better than them. So, I've, I've always said that. You know, Bryce Harper played 157 games last year. He had 99 walks. I mean, he had 178 strikeouts, which is, you know, a career high for him. But the previous year, he had 169. So, like, it's almost the same, honestly. I mean, 372 uh, on base percentage. I'll take that. Especially when he didn't really have much help, especially at the end of the year. Reese Hoskins gave him no help at the end of the year last year. And Reese Hoskins really needs to get it together. I don't know what's the deal with him, but like I say, he's got to go in the past couple games. But like from the back end of last year to like the beginning of this year, he's not cutting it at all. Slugging percentage last year was 510. If your slugging percentage is over 500, that's pretty good. I know, like I said, we expect way more out of Bryce Harper, so it's a little different. But his slugging percentage is 700 right now. That's not really sustainable. You can't really expect somebody to have a 700 uh, slugging percentage like throughout the whole entire season. But it's going to be tough. I know Andrew McCutcheon was balling last year until he got hurt. And he got off to a slow start this year as well. So, just wanted to get that out the way. Wanted to talk a little Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. That's my guy. Um, yeah, so I think that's all I got for today. Um, we got a playoff, so you know you know how the first round is. We got a game every single day. We got three or four games every every single single day. So we're going to definitely talk more basketball um, 
over the next couple of days. Thanks for listening. Peace.